Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This hour, a pair of former Saints going to join us on the show. Former Saints linebacker Jonathan Vilma coming up later, but joining me now is former Saints fullback, an all-pro, a two-time Pro Bowler who uh, had quite a night in Dallas in 06, but a solid career. Mike Carney joins us now. Good morning, Mike. Man, how's life? Going good, Scott. How you doing, man? I'm good, dude. I'm good. I appreciate you taking the time. So this is something we ask first-time guests. Do you have a, a favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's been a while since I've heard a Beastie Boys song, but that uh, I, I don't. I, I couldn't say. I couldn't say. You know, I'm born born in '81, so definitely familiar with their music, but it's been it's been too long since I, I think I've put them on. <laughs> What was like? What was your go-to music? Were you like uh, a headbanger guy? Because I know that you know that the Saints team, certainly the Hazlitt teams and the Peyton teams, you guys had a lot of different different characters. I mean, Boo Williams probably blared very different music than Ernie Conwell. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, for me, it's funny because everyone thinks that you know, being a fullback and sure, uh, you know, being a weight room guy that I'm going to be listening to Metallica every day or. Uh, you know, some, you know, this just tons of pump up music. You know, for me, I started off with Kenny G, smooth wow. jazz. All right. Going to the, on the, on the ride in and uh, kind of just kind of calm my nerves and I get, you know, it allowed me to kind of relax a little bit, if you will. And then I just kind of transitioned into some rap and then, you know, some Metallica and then, you know, uh, then from there, just, just, uh, let it rip, you know, time to play. I need to, we just need to stop stereotyping fullbacks, but I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's certain stereotypes though, Mike, and this, this stereotype is true. Okay. And I don't even know if you want to call it a stereotype, but like there is no better number for an NFL fullback to wear than 44. Like why is the number 44 perfect for a fullback? That's a great question. You know, I grew up watching John Riggins, um, you know, Tom Rathman, you know, I, I don't know where how it started or, or why it started that way, but for me, it just made sense. You know, watching those 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 great guys growing up. So I just figured, hey, if I ever uh, played that position, uh, I would I would wear that number. So it's a great question. I don't know why, but it, but it, it's it's definitely one that uh, everyone likes to choose. I mean, it's, you've seen Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco wearing it, so he's keeping it alive, but. Yeah, it's 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 a great number, and uh, you know, I was pr- I was proud to wear it. It's, it's it's not even just like a build thing, like because you could you could have a, a a you know maybe a taller, more slender fullback in forty four. You could have sort of a stocky short one. It just it just works. You know, I've talked to former Saints fullbacks. Brian Milne was forty, but Terrell Smith, Heath Evans, those guys were forty four. I, I feel like it should just any roster that has a fullback on it forty four should just be reserved for the fullback. I don't think I don't think anyone else should be allowed to wear it. I agree. I agree. It should be designated. I, you know, I was able to get the uh, fullback at Arizona State to, to to take it off to one of our kickers. A kicker was wearing at Arizona State. I said, no. "You got to take that number from him because you're now playing fullback." So That's right. He was he was able to get that swap, and now he's wearing four, uh, 44, which is great. Former Saints fullback, NFL fullback Mike Carney, our guest. You had uh, 
Five good seasons in Nola, Mike. I want to start with the first. When when you got the call in 04 that you were getting drafted, who called you? Was it Coach Haslett or was it someone else? Yeah, it was Coach Haslett. Yeah, Jim Haslett gave me a call. He said, hey, we're, uh, we're trading up two spots to take you. Are you ready to block for Deuce? So I'll never forget that. Um, so, yeah, I had – I was up in my hometown of Kent, Washington, and, you know, hundreds of family members and, and friends and coaches. And, um, you know, I didn't, didn't really know what was going to happen. I, I knew I could, could possibly go, you know, fourth round on and, uh, or maybe, you know, not get drafted at all. So I was obviously very elated and excited and, you know, a dream come true when the Saints decided to, to select me. Yeah, and right out the gate you're playing, right? You're blocking for Deuce and – what was the uh, that first season in New Orleans? What was the locker room like for you as a rookie? You know, it was a it was a, a very veteran locker room. Um, a lot of older players. I mean, there was there was Jerry Fontenot, if you if you remember him. I mean, he was Lafayette. Gosh, he was, yeah, He's yeah, yeah. He was he was in his late, I think late thirties. Had like five kids or whatever, four kids, and grown. I mean, he had gray in his beard. I'm sitting there going, I'm playing with guys that got gray in their beard gray in their hair. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, our offensive line was, uh, you know, we had Wayne Gandy at left tackle. I mean, he, I they were watching Wayne when he played for the Rams when they were, when they were uh, the first time they were out here for the Anaheim, when they were in Anaheim, LA Rams. Uh, so it was just, it was a much older veteran team, but I couldn't, I couldn't have asked to go on to a better team at that time because those guys were all pros. They taught me how to be a pro. You know, I think that, uh, you know, a little slogan I always go by: "Rookies are to be seen, not heard." So I, 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 uh, you know, I took took that I took that seriously. You know, I just kept my mouth shut, watched these guys work, and those guys really taught me how to be a pro. I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, Mike Carney, our guest. That season, man, you guys had a a rough go at it at times, but then you're four and eight. You reel off four straight wins. You go into Charlotte. You physically beat down the Panthers, and I, I'll never forget the shot of you guys in the locker room, Mike, just watching Doug Bryan miss the kick for the Jets and yeah. uh, and get left yeah. out of the playoffs, man. I, I, you, you went through a lot as a rookie just in terms of, like, the ups and downs of a season, but sort of on a disappointment scale, where did where did that one rank? Because you guys were playing so good at the end of the year, and then you didn't get in. Yeah, it was tough. You know, I think that for us to be able to kind of, you know, rattle out those four wins in a row and put ourselves in contention. I think that was something to be proud of. I mean, uh, I thought that we could have, you know, we missed the mark on, you know, that, that season. I thought we could have been a better football team. I don't know what it was exactly, but, uh, you know, we had a chance at the end. It just didn't work out. The, the the Katrina season, obviously, you've talked about it a lot. Every player that was on the team has talked about it. And, and naturally, it goes without saying, but, you know, what what you guys went through wasn't as bad as, Obviously, with those who lost their homes and loved ones and everything like that, this is just strictly a, a more of a football question. Uh, what's something about that season that you know the average fan or outsider wouldn't realize in regards to just how difficult it was to compete at a high level in the NFL that year for a team that you know was was away from home? Our routine, our routine was completely disrupted. Um, Thirty-one other teams. We're, ha- we're able to have their normal routine, normal facility, uh, normal meetings, you know, normal workouts, and all practice in, at their facility. We didn't have that. You know, if we're when when we uh, were told that we were going to stay in San Antonio, they made the Alamo Dome 
our facility. But what people didn't know was when a event came to the Alamo Dome, uh, a boat show, a car show, uh, you know, the NCAA volleyball tournament came. We had to move out, and we had to go to a high school field or to a high school. Uh, I remember one time we were in a, our, our locker room was a baseball dugout. So our routine was completely disrupted. I mean, working out in the parking lot. Um, we had to we had to make do though, Scott. It was just we had been no other choice. So I would say that our routine was just disrupted, which made it very hard to compete at a high level that year. It's interesting how, how things played out, you know. Um, it was a difficult season, you know. There's that part of you that wants to play for the city and the fans and do well, and then there's just a reality of how difficult it is without a routine. You know, kind of I, I do the what-if game sometimes with sports. I think back to 04, you guys in the locker room just missing out on the playoffs. What's interesting is if you guys get in that season, they, they probably don't make a change after 05 in terms of the coaching staff. So – the way it all played out, and that's just my opinion, but I think if you're in the playoffs and then you you know you have the Katrina season, which was full of all kind of obstacles that are you know not normal, maybe Haslett sticks around, but instead it's Sean Payton and then Drew Brees, and it is an entire sort of new era of Saints football. You got to be a part of that segue. What was your first impression of, of Sean Payton, and do you remember your first conversation with him? You know, I don't remember my first conversation with him, but my first impression of him was this guy is hungry to prove himself. He's an offensive coordinator, you know, was in Dallas under Bill Parcells. He was hungry. He came in, he had a chip on his shoulder. I think he really wanted to prove that he could be a head coach. Um, and so, and, and we needed a culture change. You know, we needed a shift. Uh, we needed to take the organization and, and to, to, to new heights and, you can feel that he was the guy that could do that as long as, you know, we were willing to put into work and, and sacrifice and do all the things that he wanted us to do. And, you know, having him keep uh, and held over that, that good core group of guys from that 05 year and, and then with the addition of the draft picks, uh, the free agencies, uh, you know, uh, that they signed, uh, guys like the Drew Brees, obviously, and drafted Reggie Bush, Scott Fajitas, you know, uh, Scott Shanley, uh, Mark Simino, Hollis Thomas, and, there's a few others, but, you know, we were able to kind of mix those two groups together, and, and lo and behold, we found out that we all were all there for the, for the same reason. You know, we wanted to put the Saints organization on the map, and we wanted to uh, change the culture. ESPN Lafayette is a great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather, visiting with former Saints fullback Mike Carney. You were an all-pro in 06. You guys turned around. Uh, it's you know it's, it's just a season that when Sean Payton retired last week he referenced that season a lot, and um, it if anybody that was a part of it anybody that remembers it anybody that you know spent any amount of time in New Orleans if you lived there for a little while I moved away just before Katrina hit and it was um, it was obviously about more than football and of course the dome coming game and Gleason's block. I mean, Mike, I remember you just bawling, right? You were crying. I think you, you leaned on Ernie Conwell's shoulder. Was that the most emotional? Foot, look, football's an emotional sport, but was that the most emotional game you ever played in? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There, there wasn't one before that or, or one after that that had that type of emotion. Um, you, know, you know, the backstory to that is, you know, yes, the, the previous year and all the struggles we went through, and what the, the people and the city and the region went through, it all just kind of came together. And it was just a, just, just 
just a, a burst of emotion. And, you know, also for me, the backstory was, you know, Ernie Conwell was a, a guy I grew up, you know, idolizing. He, he went to my high school in my hometown, and uh, here I was, you know, being a teammate with him. So it was just this, just this rage of emotions, right? It just all just kind of came out, and I just could not stop. I think I, 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 that, that continued all the way into the locker room. You know, even at the post-game speech, I'm sitting there. I'm just standing there, just uncontrollably. I couldn't couldn't stop it. But it was just, it was a, a great night, and obviously a night I won't, won't ever forget. You you mentioned Ernie Conwell, uh, Joel McHale, the actor and comedian. Uh, he he talked about playing tight end at Washington with Conwell and said it was obscene how much Ernie could bench press. He like got there yeah. thinking he was strong. I mean, you you had a, a rep of being, you know, one of the dudes in the weight room that could that could throw some weight up. So who who at, at your max, who bench pressed more, you or Ernie? Ernie, oh my gosh, Ernie Cowell, oh my gosh, the guy is, and he's so humble about it. You know, he's so nonchalant about it. The guy is a freak. I mean, he he was strong as can be. I'll tell you, you know, we had a meathead group. It was me, Brian Young, Ernie Conwell, and Ryan Leslie. And we would do our own workout after practice every day together. And we call it, they, they you know, we, we nicknamed ourselves the Meatheads. They actually wrote an article, and I think the San Antonio newspaper wrote an article about it in 2005. And it was so funny because Ernie would come in, and he'd be, you know, he'd be like, oh, my collarbone hurts, you know. I'm going to have to go a little bit lighter today. And we'd all just go, yeah, right. And, you know, that, that day we were doing uh, heavy incline press. And so, you know, I, I would put on, like, 315 and do it for – you know, four to six reps or something, right? Ernie throws on 405, and, and, and it looks like he's benching the bar only, just the bar. And he's doing four to six reps like it's nothing. And we're all sitting there looking at him going, are you serious? Like your collarbone really hurts you that bad? I mean, you're benching, you're incline pressing 405 for six reps like it's nothing. So the guy the guy was an absolute freak. I mean, it, every every, you know, story you hear about it it's true it's true for sure i, I mean mikhail brought it up and i don't remember what what podcast it was on but the hosts they were like they couldn't even remember conwell's like oh, i remember i remember ernie conwell and it, you know I, I did some work for intercom in new orleans before i moved back home to lafayette and they would always be like oh ernie best interview on the team regardless of the record just just go talk to ernie he'll he'll give it to you like it is but uh it what it was You'd ask him about the weight room, and he'd be like, "Oh shucks, you know, it's it's just part of the job, you know, whatever." And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's Ernie. laughs> downplay it all, just downplay it all. All right, so I got to ask you something. Well, first thing I'm going to ask you is how many times you've been asked because your first three touchdowns came in one game when the Saints trounced the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. How many times have you been asked about that game? Oh man, it's it's. Hundreds, I mean, thousands of times about that game. Does it get old? Like, do you still enjoy thinking about it, or at some point are you kind of like, yeah? Absolutely, I'm a fullback. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll never live that down. I mean, it was, it's, it was, man, it was the greatest night a fullback could ever imagine having. I, I, the, the biggest question I get, Scott, is, did you know you were going to be that that right. much a part of the game plan? I was like, no, I didn't. It just unfolded that way. The only thing I remember, Scott, was. Sean Payton throughout the week in preparation, whether it was a walkthrough, whether it was a team or inside run or, you know, whatever it was, whatever drill that we were in, it didn't matter. He would walk by me and say, they don't cover the fullback in the flat. 
I just want to let you know that. And he did, and he, and then he would leave me, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I, I feel like I'm all, as a fullback, I'm always open in the flat, <laughs> right? Right? Give me the ball, man. Um, but no, and in, in, in the times when I would get the ball in the flat, Scott, I, I'd usually get hit right away by a corner or you know a, a linebacker who had the flat for maybe one or two yard gain. So um, I had no idea that night was going to go away. It did. It just it just happened to unfold that way. It was it was amazing. I mean, I I remember I was watching with my folks and they clear just on the first touchdown on your rush when they cleared the backfield, <clears throat> and I'm I'm watching. I'm like. Well, they're throwing. I mean, no offense, Mike. I'm like, he's staying back there to block. I mean, there was no one that saw that coming, and you got in the end zone. And then, of course, later you had a few more touchdowns and John Madden sitting there talking about Mike Carney. And don't take this the wrong way. There was one person in my fantasy football league that, like, added you that week, and I'm like, I, I don't know that this is a sign of things to come. Like, I think this is, not. <laughs> you know, I, when you score, like, seven for your career. But that that night was awesome, man. I'll – uh I'll never forget it. You know, I, I have a, I have a memory of Saints stuff and have followed the franchise and covered it for so long, and I often think about the players that just just missed it here or there. And I think about '09, right? And I think about how it was it was your first year not on the team. After the '08 season, was the desire to come back to New Orleans? Was there was it a bidding war with St. Louis? Like how how did that off season play out for you? You know, I. I definitely want to stay in New Orleans, um, but you know, you, when you go ten and six in '06, division champs, you go to the NFC Championship, you're knocking on the door to get in the Super Bowl. You know, in Sean's first year, everyone's, you know, everyone he brought in his first year um, there. I mean, there, there's high expectations for years to follow, and then we we backed it up. I think in '07 with the losing record. And then 08 was a losing record. I think you were 7-9 and nine again. I mean, change is coming. You know, change is going to come. They decided to make a change with me, and they wanted to move on. Um, so I had to do what I had to do and go find work. I would have loved to stay in New Orleans, but it just I wasn't in the cards for them. And that's, that's, that's the, you know, that's the beast of the NFL. You know, it's a business. And so, but, yeah, I mean, people go, wow, did you, did you, did you know that they were going to win the Super Bowl the next year? I'm like, absolutely not. We were seven and nine, you know. And so they made the necessary changes that that was going to put them in, you know, contention to go compete for one. And you know, kudos to them for doing that. And I'm very proud of them that they were able to you know, to, to to get that you know the crossover that hump. You know, that that was the goal when Sean came in. That was the goal was to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, going back to earlier when he said about his press conference, talking about that 06 team, that was, to me, that was the, the foundation built, you know, for that Super Bowl, that, that culture change. Those guys, you know, you know what we did, uh, the changes we made, and, and the expectations that we, we had for, 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 all the, for all of us on the team and for anybody that came in there, there after us, they knew what the expectations were going to be. You know, Heath Evans got, I think it got on IR like after week six that year, and the Saints were kind of just shuffling some fullbacks in and out off the practice squad, off the wire. And I know the Rams struggled that year, but I was I was thinking about you, dude. I was like, man, he, he would he would I mean, fit so perfect right now. He would like this. He And I know, look, I, I, I know that no one in terms of Saints history is, is up to the Deuce McAllister status. And I know they brought him back even though he didn't play and he – he got a ring, but it was like there were some guys that were 
that kind of laid a, a bit of a foundation that didn't get to experience that. And uh, I remember thinking, I'm like, man, I'm sure there's, I'm sure Mike Carney is, is really happy for his teammates. I know he is, but there's got to be a part of him that's like, was there some aspect of it that was just bittersweet watching the Super Bowl? It was. It was tough. It was tough. It was, it was a tough year. I mean, I go to the. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it, Scott. It, it was tough. I mean, we. I went to St. Louis and we go. We go one in fifteen. All right, and then the Saints go and win the Super Bowl. I mean, it. it that, that was a tough year. It was. A, it was a tough year. And there. Thereafter, I, I always have to ask the question, or I get asked the question. Were you on the Super Bowl team? No, I wasn't. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's a tough. Yeah, yeah, that's it's tough. It's with me forever. You know, yeah. hey, you had the great night in Dallas, three touchdowns, but did you win the Super Bowl with the with the Saints too? No, I didn't. You know, and I, I've had to take my lumps all the time. I, I can still continue to do, to do that, but that's just that's the nature of the business. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I, I probably say no, I wasn't on that team. I was on the first one that was was one game away. Um, but I'm proud, proud of that team, proud of that organization for, you know, for getting it done. Look, you had a, you had a really good career. I mean, multiple Pro Bowls, you're an all-pro, um, you know, average career in the NFL is, what, three years? You you played much longer than that at a, at a position that it's not like teams carry five fullbacks on the roster. You know, some teams don't even carry one. Um, and I guess in terms of the evolution of that position, Mike, I know you're you got your eye on fullback play. How do you feel about the position in today's NFL? And do you know you mentioned uh, the cat for the 49ers? Do you feel like maybe fullback is is starting to make a bit of a comeback? Is it really not gone anywhere? Like wh- where where are you at with that position? You know, I, I don't think I don't think there's a comeback coming. I really don't. I mean, it's based got off the, the college game. You know, there's not not too many college teams that run a pro style fullback offense. You know, it's it's um, I mean, that you look at the NFL. It's, it's Kyle Juszczyk in, in San Francisco. It's uh, Pat Ricard in Baltimore. Um, you know, there's a, a couple other ones, but it's, it's not a, a lot of guys. Um, and it's based on the offensive schemes that, that these teams are running. You know, Kyle Shanahan comes from the West Coast offense, where the fullback is just it's he's the centerpiece of that offense, right? There's a lot for him to do in the run game, pass game if you will. So Kyle Shanahan gets it. I wish more coaches would get it, that, that you know, to, to run that fullback uh, in their offense. But it, it's hard when you can't find them in, in college. When I was coming out of college, I mean, the NFL had Lorenzo Neal, Max Strong, William Henderson, Tony Richardson. I mean, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of others. Um, you know, 28 teams had a fullback, right? 20, 26 to 28 teams had a fullback. When I was coming out of college, it's it's like maybe four now. You know what I mean? So it's just the game has changed. Um, you know, all, obviously taking the head out of the game, the concussion stuff and, and safety, all that stuff. You know, it's not much about uh, you know pounding the ball as, as, as like it was back in the day. So um, I I love for it to to come back more than that. But you know, I'm, I'm I guess I just you know I'm a fan of those guys that are doing it. That's for sure. Mike Carney, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. How how is you mentioned the heads? Like, how is your health now as a retired player? And um, I know you took care of yourself, you know, when you played as best you could. But what are some of sort of the day to day things that somebody that didn't spend multiple years in the NFL would have to go through? You know, Scott, I feel really well. You know, I'm, I just turned forty this past July. I, I I tell people this all the time. They they think I'm crazy. I feel better at forty 
then I did a 30. That's awesome. Uh, you know what I mean? I feel bad. I, I didn't have really any major injuries. Thankfully, I had some ankles. I had an MCL. Uh, you know, I had a little neck there in 2009 injury, uh, but nothing catastrophic, nothing big. I don't, you know, my, I definitely had, a, had, had my share of concussions, not necessarily the big concussions where you know, I was knocked out, but those little sub-concussions. So, you know, I, uh, I do a pretty good job of, you know, taking the, the over-the-counter supplements that can help, you know, with the brain and stuff that you can do there. And, you know, I still stay in shape. I still work out. Four times, four to five times a week, I'm in the weight room doing strongman stuff. Now it's not necessarily the same type of uh, weight I was doing. When I was playing, but it's uh, but it's it's still doing something. So I'm still staying active. I have two young boys, 11 and, and, and eight. You know, I'm helping coach their their sports. That keeps me involved, keeps me going. So overall, my health feels it feels really good. I, I really can't complain. That's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, what are you up to these days post-football? Do you, um, you mentioned coaching your sons. Is there a line of work right now? What does is, what is Mike Carney like to do? Oh, well, you know, hey, I was able to invest in some real estate uh, when I was playing. You know, my wife and I managed some, some apartments we have out in Phoenix, so that keeps me busy. Um, and then, you know, I, I try to stay close to the game as, as I can, right? That's the biggest thing at least for me when I got done playing, how can I stay close to this game, but where it's not going to take me away from my family. So uh, John Runyon called me uh, back in June of 2016, and he said, hey, I'm the new head of compliance at the NFL. Would you like to be the Rams uniform inspector? So I said, heck, yeah, I'll do it. So I've been the Rams uh, uniform inspector since 2016, since they moved back, back here to L.A. from St. Louis. I've been doing that every year. Um, and then I do combine coaching, pre-combine coaching for a company called Exos. So they, they, they hire me out to, as a running back consultant. So right now I have four guys three days a week for six weeks down in Carlsbad, California, where I train them, get them ready for all the playbook terminology, interview process, do some field work with them. So another, another way of me staying close to the game, Scott, and, and somewhat giving me that coaching fix too as well. So I'm still staying very busy, that's for sure. Right on. So uniform compliance, what does that entail? Like, what's your job for the Super Bowl coming up for the Rams? So, yeah, so I won't be doing the Super Bowl because the AFC is the home team, right? So that's going to look kind of weird where the Bengals are going to be the home team and the Rams are going to be the away team in, in their home stadium. So the Chargers uniform inspectors will do the game. But I was there Sunday night for the NFC Championship game. Um, it, it, there's a dress code. There's a dress code. The uniform is supposed to be worn a certain way. So undershirts tucked in, socks certain color. Uh, you know, only certain guys can wear a, a, a certain visor. Uh, you know, if, if it's tinted, reflected, or mirrored, they got to be cleared by the league office. There's a lot of stuff, right? So it's an exclusive rights league, making sure certain logos aren't being shown that haven't paid. So uh, it's a fun job. Those guys it puts me right back. It puts me right back in my sanctuary, right down the field, uh, around the players, in that atmosphere. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing it. They pay us a little stipend. I do it for free, to be honest with you. That's how much fun it is. And the job is it, – it's a fun job. It, it, you know, the, the players are great to work with. Um, and so uh, – but, yeah, that's, that's, that's really what the job entails. Well, I, I, I was going to ask you who you're picking in the Super Bowl, but considering you work for the Rams, I know where you're going with that one. Do you, with, 
I mean, if they win, do you get a ring? Would you even want a ring? Oh, no, I don't work for the Rams. I work for the league office. Gotcha. I, I okay, to... totally different. Well, yeah. That's, that's right. Totally so you, you, you have to basically tell them, like, this doesn't fly. If you wear this, you'll get fined. Is it that kind of deal? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them think that I'm the, I'm the guy that, will, that writes the fine. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the messenger. <laughs> so, and I Take said, the heat. I'm a former player like you, okay? And a lot of the guys know who I am from my playing days. And, and I tell them, hey, listen. I am not here to be a distraction. I want to help you save money. Please don't give the league any more money than they already have, right? I want to make sure you have money when you're done playing. So fix your socks, fix your shirt, fix the logo, because the, the league is going to find you thousands and thousands of dollars for it that you don't need to give them. So that's really my mindset. I love to work with the players. Uh, I'm very good with them. I know how to rap with them. I know when to talk to them. I know when not to talk to them. But my biggest thing is, hey, if, if you don't fix it, you're subject to fine. There's a potential fine coming. So, so if you want to roll the dice, that's, that's up to you. But I'm here to tell you that if you roll the dice, you know, it's highly likely that you're going to get fined. And don't do it. Save your money. So uh, who, who is your pick in the Super Bowl then? I'm going to tell you right now, I had the Niners to go for the NFC just just because of you know the momentum they had the run game the physicality defensively Kyle Shanahan I think is I think you know with one of if not the best coach in football just from his just his ability of, as a play caller um, you know I like the Rams now I do I really like the Rams and I know Joe Burrow uh, LSU guy won a national championship I just I think at the end of the day I think the Rams are you know, if they can get that defense dialed up with, with Aaron Donald, it'll be tough for him to uh, to overcome that. So I'm not going to go with the Rams because I played for them and I, and I oversee their uniform, uh, their uniforms and their, with their players. I just, I, I just like the Rams uh, overall. And last thing in terms of just, I know you love the sport. Do you, do you still root for the Saints? Is, is, or are you more of just, you know, I root for players and coaches that I know. You know, it was that, Scott. It was I root for players and coaches that up when everyone's retired now. I mean, Sean, was the, Sean was the last guy, so uh, everyone's retired, everybody, everybody I played with. And so, but I will always, always be root for the Saints. They made my dream come true. So I'll always have an allegiance to them. I'll always root for them, uh, whether guys I played with or coaches that coached me are retired. So the Saints, the Saints is where my heart is. Well, this has been awesome, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time. Do you know Terrell Smith, who, who played at Arizona State and for the Saints? Do you guys know each other? We do know each other, and uh, a, a, a quick little story about that. I followed Terrell when he, he left Arizona State. I came in and replaced him as a freshman. I, you know, I get drafted by the Saints. Terrell goes to Cleveland as a free agent. So I replaced Terrell Suggs. Uh, with with the Saints, so yeah, I know Terrell really well, and uh, he, he he left some big shoes at Arizona State and the Saints for me to fill. So, well, great guy, great player. Yeah, man, I uh, he's an awesome interview too, man. If you're up for it, maybe one day this summer I can just get you guys both on at the same time and just let you guys do fullback talk because there's not enough fullbacks out there, as you mentioned. There's not a lot in the NFL today. We need to uh, we need to have a greater appreciation for the fullbacks. Of course, you guys both wore forty four, so we, we circle back to the beginning of the conversation. But if you're down, I'm sure Terrell is. I'd love to have you all on together sometime. A hundred percent, I'm in. Awesome, I'd love to do that. Yeah, Mike, all the best, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, continued success, and let's chat again down the road.
You best, Scott. Thanks for having me on.